So what are you going to tell us, tough guys? My usual. Zero. Nothing. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back. Pop Culture Podcast. Coming at you with a backwards hat. So I'm a few days late. It's been a hectic week. We had the uh, I had the in-laws come and stay with us. We first of all we were we were staying with my mum down in Gippsland, and and then I got the I got the beautiful news that once we got home on Friday afternoon, I was going to have my my wife's dad and and his wife come and stay with us for a few days. Which is I mean it's always a nice thing to hear when you're coming home to put your feet up, isn't it? That you're going to have your in-laws come and stay with you for a couple of for a couple of days. And but you've got you've got to put on a nice face. You've got to be happy. I am happy. I love my I love my father-in-law. I love. Uh, I love mum. She's well. Technically, she's not my real mother-in-law. You know, he remarried, so I think by default she's she's considered mother-in-law. But you know, she just doesn't have that same level of respect. As a, <laughs> it's a joke. She's a lovely woman. She's a lovely woman. It's it's funny when you're 35 because even if you can't be bothered having people over at your place, you got to put on a nice you got to put on a nice smile, don't you? You can't just carry on and. Uh, you, you can't make it obvious that you're not happy to see them is the thing because the truth was there was most of me that was happy to see them but there was uh you know there was 49 percent of me who was also looking forward just to having the weekend to myself and so i had to i had to put a smile on my face but but that's what i love about babies charlie my boy he wasn't he wasn't playing that at all he was in the same boat as me he, he didn't want to come back and have more people to deal with. He just got over the emotional high of spending a few days with with grandma, down in Gippsland. So he got high. Uh, he got home. He didn't get high. He's a baby. You know, I always say to him, mate, you can get high, but you got to wait till you're eleven. You're not getting high before you're eleven because uh, because you can't be getting high before you're eleven these days. It's not the seventies. Parents care about their kids. Parents are the best friends with their kids. But but the poor but Belinda and Phil they got here and and Charlie he didn't want a bar of it. He was he was just dirty for the first day and a half which was which was understanding it was understandable really that's a beautiful thing about babies you can just be real you can you can be honest about how you feel you don't have to put on some sugar coat hey so good to see you just lying through your teeth licking your lips not making eye contact because you don't want them to read too far into your real emotional state and and notice that you're not as excited to see them as what you're making out but i mean it worked out well in the end once you get past that initial phase of spending time with someone like once you get home and you realize okay i'm not allowed to relax at all because i'm i'm now entertaining these people for a couple of days once you get past that particular part you go oh okay well how are we going to make this more enjoyable now, the least enjoyable thing to do to make something more enjoyable is to bring out a board game I right, that's my that's my truth that's one thing that that jesse and i we we wrestle with a little bit because she's a real board game She's a real board game girl. I've told you before. I realised I'm I'm not great at board games. When when a Chinese exchange student beat me at Scrabble, English was his second language, and I don't know something just clicked in my brain that this wasn't meant for me. So now, whenever I've, I've got too many too many traumatic experiences of, of of playing Monopoly, and people take it so seriously. My my goal is just to win, but people treat it like it's real life. They say no, you've got to be honest when you play this game. But I go no, no, you don't, because that's not in the rule book. You can look in the Monopoly rule book for for the rule that says, hey, make sure you're being honest and not cheating. You won't find it. Because people just t- people just take that for granted that the people playing will do it. I like that card game, Cheat. Remember that one? You'd have a deck of cards and then uh, you'd put the card down upside down on the table and, and you had to say what card it was. 
But the rule was, or, or the idea of the game, you had to get rid of as many cards as you could by saying, okay, there's, I've just put down four hearts, four ten of hearts. And then if people doubted you, they would go cheat. And I always got sprung because I my, my rule was generally that every every turn I would just cheat because I didn't want to play. But at least that was written in the rule book. But I take the rule book of cheat and and I just take that to every other element of my life. Not not every other element, just um just board games really. I was at Bible college once, which was a strange story. I, I remember leaving the room because I didn't know an answer to the question. And I thought, well, my goal is just to pass this test. And I'm pretty sure we hadn't researched this particular question. So if I just go to the toilet and Google it on my phone, that's not really cheating. Technically, I'm not sure how I justified that to myself because as I say that to you, I, I realize that that's the definition of cheating. You're in a test. It's there to test the knowledge that you've accumulated over the past term and I've gone in to check it on my phone. That's definitely cheating. But that's the thing. Maybe you should be able to take the rules of cheat and apply it to every element of your life. There'd be, there'd be parts of your life where that's a hard conversation to have, wouldn't you? I wouldn't apply that to my relationship. Just go, ah, oh, it doesn't count. You didn't catch me, <laughs> do you know? I feel like that's not a real strong foundation to build a, a really healthy relationship on. And I've got no interest. I like my wife. I like my family. So that one's off the table. But I, I think when it comes to board games, I, I like to cheat. Monopoly's my favorite. I like to I like to tell people I pass go and see if they see if they realize when I'm the banker I always slip little slip little twenty dollar notes into my pockets. I just see if I get caught. If they don't get caught, well I'm a real life bandit. You got to get used to people like that in society because the truth is, as as beautiful as your town might be, there's a bloke who's aspiring to be a bank robber. That's why police exist because you got to keep them accountable. You got to. I'm two steps removed, I reckon, from from being a cocaine dealer. If I didn't care so much about my health and other people's health, I, I think I think I would be tempted to try it. I reckon I'd be a little bit tempted. I remember my uncle before he passed away, uh, he said, hey Tyson, he had cancer. He knew he, was, he knew he was on the way out, but he was trying to get some money together for his family. He said, hey, we're gonna do a drug run up to Canberra. I said, hey, I'm not 100% sure that's legal. He goes, no, it's, it's not. But I've got, a, I've got a special tire that we can put all these drugs in and you can't actually get a scent. If there's a police dog, the only way they're going to find it is, is if they take, you know, take the particular tire that we're smuggling it in off the back of the car and check. Because I've done my research, I'm not sure if he had. And, and the police dogs can't smell through this. So long story short, I, I didn't have the confidence to go on that trip. I thought, well... This probably isn't a good look for me, as at the time I was a church pastor, I thought, well, how does that look? How does that look to the congregation if I get pulled over doing a drug run with my uncle? It's not ideal. I mean, it's a fun story to tell if I had done it, but it's a, it's a hard one to break to the congregation in the, middle of a, in the middle of a service. You read Leviticus 7, and then you come out and say, hey, how you going? Here's a story about me running drugs up the coast with my uncle just for a little bit of extra cash. Then you got to go on and talk about how how money and materialism isn't everything, uh, but but you you know you took yourself to a new low. Just to get a little bit of extra cash, but hey, if it's weird as well, I always uh, people always watch movies and they go, oh man, like I Jesse, my wife, I pointed upstairs just then because that's where she's doing yoga right now. You didn't need to know that, but that's just what happened. She always she always respects the cops in movies because we watch. Uh, what, what's that show with the with the cocaine Pablo Escobar? What is that one? It just Escobar, I think it's called the the cocaine drug runs. And she always respects the police officers in those in those movies. She's like, oh man, how are they going to catch him? 
And I'm 100%, apart from the, all the murder, I'm 100% on the side of the, the drug smugglers. I'm going, all right, well, Jessie's thinking that she's going to go upstairs. I'm going to go downstairs and through the side exit. And then she's like, ah, sucker punched you. I caught you. So it, it's a weird relationship. What I'm saying is, uh, is you know, role play in our household is very different. Jessie comes in with, with handcuffs and, you know, a, a sexy whip. And, and I've got a pretend bag of cocaine and I just try and evade her, which is a, I mean, as a, as a stereotype in a relationship, I, I feel it's not what the role of the man really is, is it? The role of the man's not to try and dodge the sexy police officer, but but to be caught and tied to, to the nearest surface. But it's not my thing. I just, I can't break character. Pablo Escobar didn't give up easy. I'm not just letting some chick in tight, tight pleather come and tie me to a bed and take advantage of me. Who knows what else she'll take? She could be a corrupt cop for all I know. But anyway, we played that game Taboo. Do you know the game taboo? It's a so say for example you have a word at the top, the word that the partner, you, it's you and a partner. You have to guess his umbrella, and then underneath you can't say rain, cover, um, umbrella. You can't say the words that is going to make it too obvious. So I mean, it, it brings out some dynamics because you want to be relaxed with the family that you're you're staying with because you're going to be with them all weekend. So you can't make it uncomfortable for them. You don't want to make it uncomfortable for yourself. So you you put on a level of uh, you, you put on a superficial layer of kindness, I think is the word. And, and and the one way to rip that layer of kindness off is is just to make sure that you play a board game and get caught cheating. So you can't really cheat in Taboo because you've got someone over your shoulder making sure you're playing by the rules. Uh, but I, I definitely get quite abusive. I always claim that I'm not a competitive person. But but as soon as the, the start bell is rung, I realize I'll go to all levels of disrespect and cheating in in order to get the title. I don't care. I'm like Mike Tyson. If I'm if I'm against the rope, I'll bite the ear. Metaphorically speaking, I feel like biting the ear of anyone in a game of taboo is, you know, it's it's highly disrespectful, and that would be against the rules, despite it not being in the rule book. But uh, yeah, I like to. I, I, if, I, in case you just heard that, I like to. I like to do this podcast with a little coffee in hand. But I've got the gain on the microphone turned down a little bit because I, I cannot. I cannot stand the, the sound of slurping. I told you all about that last week. But uh, it's just a little reward. It's a little. I've broken up the coffee intake as well. With we went to a Sunday market down here in Queenscliff a couple of weeks ago, and uh, man, yeah, it's a. It's an immediate rewind to the fifties. I reckon it's a. It's a funny thing. All of a sudden, you don't need the internet. You're face to face with people. You're kind. You're supporting local business. I went up to one particular shop, and and uh, my wife bought some chutney actually. And as we bought the chutney, the the lady sold it to us, and she said, "Hey, uh, uh, do you mind if I give you a card to help you understand what the Greens are doing for everyone this election?" And Jesse goes, "Mate, I just want my chutney." Have you noticed it's it's hard to dodge politics anywhere you go? I like the idea of a Sunday market because it's a time to switch off, it's a time to walk around, it's a time to see what people in your town are creating. There's a couple of girls they, they they've got their little incense that they've made. Uh, the hippie girls they got their hair in dreadlocks. They they're there barefoot. You've got the Turkish lady making her dish. You've got the you've got the Vietnamese lady making her little uh, bao min, bao ming, bao man, little bread rolls from from Asia is the thing. I'm not sure if I've got the country or the culture right, but uh, ban mi, ban mi is what they're called. Got the ban mi rolls, and then you got the lady who who sells chutney and tells you who to vote for in the next election. So it was weird. Jessie was so disappointed with her recommendation of politics, she wished she didn't actually buy the chutney off her. Which was you got to be careful sometimes, don't you? If you're trying to sell a, pro- a product, you got to be careful not to. You can't just reveal your cards too early. You can't, you know, 
you can't you can't come out as though you're the chutney lady and all of a sudden you're just an ambassador for the greens because all of a sudden that chutney might get thrown back in your direction i you start to learn things about your partner as well and i could see in her eyes that she was she was shattered that she just handed over cash to this lady she thought oh, i have you know she voted for the greens a few years ago as well i think that was before it's boring it's such a boring conversation i don't even want to talk about it but anyway, we got the chutney, we got the chai. There was a hippie lady over there, and she was. We were walking past her. We just we just bought uh, these these puffed these puffed little wheat roll things from a from a Hungarian guy who was flirting with Jesse. He was seventy years old. It was quite it was quite disturbing. But I still I I really admired his effort. It's I want to be the kind of guy that at seventy still has the swagger to see a beautiful thirty one year old woman walk past and and have a little flirt. I think that's a sign of health. I think it's a sign of a good life. You know what I mean? He was. He was making fun of me to my wife. She was laughing. Towards the end of the conversation, I started to feel like he could have been a legitimate threat. I felt like I was back at high school just trying to make moves on Alice Connor, and she's telling me, you know, all my friends who th she thinks hot. I'm going, hey, I don't, I don't, I'm not here for this conversation. I didn't want you to tell me. I want you to tell me I'm, I'm beautiful. Do you know what I mean? And then she would start saying things like, hey, Tosh, you look like you haven't even gone through puberty yet and you're 18. That's hilarious. I'm like, I'm not sure if I've misread the cues, but you sound as though you're uninterested in me. That's the thing you've got to wrestle with at school. But you think when you're 35 and you're speaking to a 70-year-old man from Hungary that that conversation, it's a, it's a thing of the past, but it's not because there's something about these Eastern Europeans. They've got, they've got some swagger in their step. They've got some sort of confidence that I'm not sure if it's the accent, if it's the culture, if it's a combination of both, if it's just their openness about how much they love a, you know, a pretty Macedonian woman. But there was something there, and he had, he had 35 years more experience than me, so what he was saying was impressive, if not slightly creepy i was trying to ask him questions and he would look at my wife and make fun of the question i just asked and she was laughing i said hey, you mate, i wish I, I honestly like my wife just bought chutney from this person and wants to take it back if you keep if you keep picking on me in front of my wife i'm gonna have to return your little rice biscuits to be honest i only bought it from you because of the charm that you had he was he's passionate i love people who are passionate about their job he had this i, I don't actually know what it is. they're like rice puffs i'd show you but it'd be it'd be bad it'd be bad point in the podcast if i walked out to the kitchen now just to get a bag of rice puffs to show you because it's not that interesting but he had this machine and he'd obviously been around them for so long that the machine that made this noise and that meant that a rice puff was ready and as we were walking past he goes hey ladies and gentlemen look at this and he went Pah! and his little rice puff just popped up in the air and i thought that's bloody incredible i'll give you six bucks for five rice puffs i know they're only worth five cents each and they're not that tasty but mate with that with that level of enthusiasm around the rice puffs, I can only celebrate what it is that you're doing. Do you know what I mean? Welcome to our culture. I said, how long have you been here for, sir? He said, I'm more Australian than you. Don't be racist. I said, it's not racist, mate. I'm just interested. Uh, he goes, I've been here for 51 years. I go, well, congratulations. He's like, congratulations to you too. I said, why? He's like, you've only been here 35. I go, mate, just give me the rice puffs, you cockhead. I wish I didn't buy them off you. You know what I mean? I'll never buy rice... I'm, I'm joking. I like the guy. But the, the markets are an interesting place. You go around, you bump into a couple of people who are locals. You've got a few people still uncertain about COVID regulations, wearing masks, a little bit nervous, a little bit on edge, but still enjoying back out in public. Yeah, it's always a good feeling. I feel like as long as you're not being, uh, you know, as long as you're not being forced to go and you enjoy it. Sunday markets are a chance. It's just, a, hey, put your feet up, relax a little bit. Buy some boutique, over-the-top, over-expensive, uh, you know, equipment that you probably don't need. Those rice puffs are still in the top drawer. As I said, I bought it based on the entertainment that we were receiving from this guy, not on the taste, because they had none. 
but that was good. Then uh, then after that, we went down. We actually went down to my mum's house for a couple of days as well. It's a weird feeling going down to your parents' house when you're 35 years old, I reckon, because you, you're at an age. I'm at an age now where I think I know a bit. I'm starting to learn a little bit about a few different things, and, and I'm starting to realise that not, that not everything mum says is exactly the way that I see it, but she still speaks to me with the confidence about her opinions as, as what she did when I was you know 11 and took her word for everything. You know, your dad's an asshole. Oh, mum, wow, far out. I'm just trying to make breakfast. <laughs> she never said that. Like, my dad's a lovely guy. But mind you, they did go through a pretty rough breakup, so there would have been a few times where I reckon... I, I used to always take it personally, because whenever we had a fight, she'd go, you're just like your father. And I was like, you guys got divorced. She's like, exactly right. As soon as you're 16, you're out of here. It's like, wow, mum, that's, you know... I just, I was just asking what's for dinner. You know, don't take it out on me. What's going on here? I used to always take that as a compliment as well because I like that. My dad's got a little bit of swagger. He's he's like I think you'd often be mistaken as as arrogant if you didn't know him very well because he's he's got a level of charm. He's got a level of swagger. He's got a level of confidence, and he's he's fairly outspoken. But I say that in the best in the best sense of the word. He's relatively quick on his feet as well when it comes to an argument. So I would watch him in action. I've seen him get I've seen him get frustrated or people get frustrated at him a few times, and I always leave the arguments thinking, man, in that particular situation, if I had to choose who I was going to be in that argument, I would definitely be my dad. My dad, you know, my dad made that guy look like a bitch. I just wish he didn't get him in a choke a hold at the end of the conversation because, uh, you know, then he wouldn't have really had a reason to press charges. It's funny though. It's funny. So I used to see that kind of stuff. I was joking about the pressing charges. Do you know what I mean? He never got caught. There was no, there was no charges being pressed. There was just an unconscious guy and two, two, like a father and son sprinting away from the scene as fast as possible. <laughs> Do you know? didn't happen don't worry about it yeah so mum used to say you're just like your father and I was like man it's awesome how good's that it gave me confidence that every time we argued I'd be quick on my feet get mum in a choker hold you know it, it was just a, it was a weird dynamic because obviously they'd been through a they'd been through a little bit of a roller coaster together my dad was 22 when I was born my mum was 30 that was that wasn't planned do you know, there's always <laughs> my dad was a good-looking man who played at the local football club as well. 22 years old, I think he had, I think he had plenty of options when it came to the lady. Not that it's a reason to actually follow it up, but I think that's what I think that's what he did. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. He he heard about the uh, what's that saying? Bigger, there's plenty of fish in the sea, but he wasn't happy just taking one home. He wanted to. He wanted to take as many as he could home, and 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 that that's never a great foundation for a relationship, is it? Like if you're if you're you know late coming home for dinner because you've been at Sally and Sarah's house, the housemates, you know, and you smell like both Sally and Sarah. It raises a few questions is all I'm saying. Maybe I think mum had the right to be angry. And as a 16-year-old kid, I thought, well, to be honest, I would love to smell like Sally or Sarah, not Lynx Africa, because I'm not doing a whole heap of picking up and I'm, I'm doing my best work. As a distance running life for you, though, as a distance runner at that age, I thought, well, you know, this is hot. I used to look at my legs, and I remember one day Tess Kelsey, I think is her surname, I was running around in year nine, and she was a glamour. I always had a little crush on her, and uh, but she was one of those girls in year nine where I was like, you're out of my league, because first of all, she was five foot ten, she was gorgeous, she was fully developed. I was I was five foot three. Uh, I still had a squeaky voice. There was plenty of better looking blokes who weren't distance runners in my class, and. One day I ran past and she's like, "Man, you got really nice legs." And I thought that was a, I thought that was just a cue for her to say, "Hey, you're in." But, um, but no, she was saying that she wished she had legs like that. Which, to be fair, I think she did. I, I think she did. But the truth was, it was just an interesting situation because I walked away feeling as though I'd been complimented, 
and, and, and what she was saying was you've, you've got chicks legs, which, you know, upon reflection isn't probably what you want to be told as a, as a 16-year-old kid, a 15-year-old kid with a crush on a particular girl. I went to her birthday one day and I, uh, I thought, well, what would be good? We went to a restaurant, a whole group of us. I thought, well, I'm going to go above and beyond because I need to let this girl know without saying the words that, that I'm interested, despite the fact she's been in a committed relationship with, you know, I think quite a number of guys at the same time over a couple of years, which for me at that time only gave me more hope in the fact that, you know, maybe maybe I could be one of the uh, one of the default guys that for when her and her boyfriend sort of went through a little bit of a rough patch. So I got invited to her birthday. I thought, all right, I'm going to deliver. So I went with a mate. I had a friend staying at my house that weekend. It was a Friday night. So we went across to, I think it was Big W, and I said, hey, what is the best like, What is the best fragrance, best perfume or whatever that you can get for a woman? And the lady behind the counter, she must have been my age. She didn't know what she was talking about. Uh, she goes, oh, this one's the most expensive. So it was $80. I said to my mate, oh, look, let's both put 40 in. He's like, I don't even know her. I don't even have a job. Why do I have to get roped into this expensive present? I said, hey, mate, do me a favor. Just give me 40 bucks and stop talking about it. I'm trying to make moves here, and this is the only way I know how to do it. So we got this We got this perfume, went across, wrapped it up. No kidding. I gave it to her, and she's like, oh, my gosh, this is the same perfume my nan uses. And everyone at the table laughed, and she was like, oh, thanks anyway, Ty. So I was like, oh, that cost me $80. And I was trying to make a move. I was trying to show. I left the receipt in there and everything just so she could see you know, how much I'd spent on her. She's like, doesn't matter, I can get a refund and, you know, buy other things at Big W. I was like, oh, this is the most embarrassing thing to start. And then, yeah, you know what I mean. Like, it's just not ideal when you get made fun of because you've spent too much money on her grandma's perfume that you've given to her. I didn't really understand that whole scene, though. I didn't know, I don't know. I just thought it was, I should have just given her 80 bucks, really. I've never been much of a gifts guy. I don't really get much of a kick just buying gifts for people, which... I think would I think would be uh, you know I think if I started to develop a little bit of a, a appreciation for how much people do like gifts, it'd be great for my for my marriage because Jesse and I just do what we call air cards now. Well, I I bought this I bought this up because I thought it might have been a good idea because I kept forgetting birthdays and uh, oh no I didn't forget birthdays as much as take the words of my wife seriously when she said to me, hey, we don't actually, we, uh, let's not buy gifts for each other anymore. Let's just let's just do something together. That's a fantastic idea. So I'd wake up and do a funny thing, which I called an air card. Because I hadn't bought her a card, I'd say, Dear Jessica, the most wonderful, you know, and I'd just say it. Like the words went out into the air and she could receive that and, you know, just place that straight onto her heart. Like a, I don't know, I don't know who else does that. But but that flew, that flew pretty well for about three years. And I said, are you sure you're happy with this? Like an air card. I feel like I'm not putting much thought into it. You know, I come up with the words on the fly. And one day she's like, yeah, maybe we could talk about it because... There's heaps of other things I like as well. And, and to be honest, I don't actually really, I don't take your air cards very seriously because you talk smack, you speak in a British accent. I'm not sure what that's about. I said, oh, see, so yeah. she goes, yeah, I just don't want it to, it was an awkward conversation because she goes, I just don't want it to become a thing where where I get bitter and tense towards you. I was like, oh, wow, we're at that point now. She's like, not yet, but it's getting, it's super close. We're getting very close. Now, if we get any closer, like there's uh, the D words on the the D words on the table. Not that's not a sexual thing, like not D that way, but D for divorce. She doesn't say that word lightly either. So I thought, okay, I'm, I'm going to have to really lift my game. And so, and I was going to say, and so I did, but I, I really, I really haven't yet because because here's the thing I don't understand. Why is it before a birthday people say you don't need to get me anything, and then you take that seriously, and for whatever reason that was. You, you shouldn't have taken that seriously. I know for a fact that's not serious anymore. When those words are spoken, hey, you don't need to get me anything for this birthday, I go, okay, 
I understand this is not true. Ignore this word. You have a, you have a tab in your phone filled with gift ideas for these moments. And, and then as the time of the birthday or celebration, anniversary, Christmas, whatever it is gets closer, for some reason, despite me knowing that I shouldn't take those words seriously, they, they become more and more realistic until it's 5 p.m. on the evening before uh, the day that I should have the present by. And I go, well, the, now there's no options. Now there's, uh, like, there's nowhere to go. The shops are closed. It's a Tuesday afternoon in Point Lonsdale. Well, I can't go to IGA and just, what, get her a notebook. You could get her a bottle of wine or something. But even at IGA, I, it doesn't scream. It doesn't scream class, does it? So often I wake up and I'm, I just resort to air cards again. So it's something that I constantly find myself navigating because I, I understand that it's a real predicament. It's a real negative element of, uh, of, of buying gifts for people. Or not buying gifts for people, I guess, is the true sense of the, uh, of the sentiment, isn't it? But that's what, we're, that's what we're... Why did I start telling you about gifts? Ah, oh, because of Tess. Because of my legs. Anyway. Yeah, you, you shouldn't be worrying about this so much now. I've been married 11 years this year. So the idea, I don't know why that still plays. There's so many memories that I have of, of being a teenager and being like, man, I, I should be that guy. I'd have made, I, got, I still have got, got a good mate, Andy. Andrew, he, I was living in South Australia a year after high school. And uh, so my house was in the center of town. He was, he was about 10 or 15 minutes out of town. So whenever we went out in, in Trelgan, which is where we were, there was... You know, because a, a, a bit of drinking was done, not so much on my behalf, but on, on my mates. I was, I was too into the distance running scene. Everything for me was just about running fast, which is, you know, you, you take it for what it is now, but maybe not the coolest statement to make back then. But I remember once getting a call from mum. No, no, I got a call from Andy. I was living in, in South Australia at the time. He, he gave me a call and it was about 1am and he's like, Tice, uh, do you reckon your mum would mind if I, if I snuck into your house and slept there tonight? I was like, dude, no, that'd be that'd be fine. Like, I'm sure that'd be okay. She wouldn't care. And uh, so anyway, I, I, mum always has her phone on. So I message, I go, mum, look, Andy's going to come and stay over. Is that all right? She's going to sleep in my room, uh, obviously, just to clarify that he's not coming over to snuggle her. And she's like, yeah, 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 go for it. That's fine. Hey, just make sure it's just him. Anyway, so Andy, he got to our house. He went into the room. He got up at 8 a.m. And uh, apparently my mum just had a look of just, she looked furious. She looked really angry at him. And uh, Andy's like, oh no, she's onto it. And behind Andy, this is a true story. Behind Andy walked out, walked out one girl, and behind that girl walked out another girl. So Andy, I had a king single bed. So whatever he was doing, and no joke, it had a little bit of a creak in it as well. So what the the fact that, in fairness, it's probably just greedy on his behalf, isn't it? Because one of them, Lucy, was her name. She used to come and buy boost juices off me when I still lived in Gippsland, and I always had a little bit of a crush. I always said, hey, like she's she's nice. I, I wonder if I'm a chance. And then. All of a sudden, you know, Andy takes her and her best friend home and, and, and it's just an awkward conversation over breakfast, isn't it? Andy walked out, he's like, Susie. She goes, Andy, just go home, mate. Just pack up the stuff and go. But I wonder how much of that was actually a disgust in what he had done and a disappointment that I'd never done it. Because the only time I'd ever had a girl home was was another one with Andy, then Tani. There was Andy and Tani, they slept in the lounge room. Me and Alice slept in my room, but she was on the she was on the stretcher bed. Because I, that was that was just my game at the time. I, I wasn't a hundred percent sure. I was a hundred percent sure what was. I didn't know what I was doing. Is the truth. I wasn't sure what I was doing. I'm still not convinced, but I just I just do what I think you should do with more confidence now. Whereas back in the day, I didn't have the confidence or the knowledge. 
which is a difficult place to be. So I reckon mum must have just been disappointed because when you've got an 18-year-old kid, surely, surely when you're in her mindset, you go, oh, hopefully Tyson's all right. I, was a, I don't know what it was. I was getting to the age where I, I'd convinced myself that my granddad thought I was gay because I just never had a girlfriend. He would often say to me, you got a girlfriend yet, Tyson? I was like, oh, still not. And uh, he'd give me this look, and I always just assumed that that look meant, I know you're a little gay boy. And uh, apparently he never thought that, but it, it made me very uncomfortable because every time I went to his house, he's like, you got a girl yet? I was like, nah. And every time I said no, in my mind, it just further cemented this idea that I had that he thought I was I was gay. So, you know, I had to be very cautious. I always spoke up as though like there was plenty of opportunities. And he, my pa, he loved talking about that kind of stuff. He was always the kind of guy that uh, I would go over, over to his house and he would start talking about... Uh, I remember one day I was about 16 years old and I don't know how it came about, but he started talking to me about sex and, you know, eventually you'll get a girl and um, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh my gosh, first of all, this is so uncomfortable. I'm having this conversation with my pa. And I thought, hang on, he's got three kids and I'm sure there was plenty of other attempts on the outside of that. Like there would have been, he's, he knows what he's talking about, this man. And he, I'm not sure though. It just, it just missed a little bit of relatability as well because I don't think he could quite realise how uncomfortable I was in the conversation, he was he was just adamant that he didn't want me to be gay because he was he was seventy five at the time and he came from a different generation, you know. So you can judge him, but he also didn't like the Japanese, which I it took me a long time to understand why he was so bitter about Japan, and then I realised he had to fight a lot of them at a particular war, so it never goes down well. But that's what granddads are like, aren't they? They're supposed to. I think granddads are naturally supposed to be a little bit racist. If you had a, if you had a granddad who was welcoming about everyone, you'd go, "Come on, granddad, stop being such a," you know. I was going to say homo, but I'm not going to because uh, twenty-twenty-two. Sorry about those pauses in between. I'm having a coffee. If you're not watching this, so I, I just I remember a Tim Ferriss interview one day. He kept uh, he kept talking about the fact he was having a coffee, but then. As he talked about it, he would bring it to his mouth and, and do a massive slurp. And it's just always stuck with me how disgusting that behavior was. And so uh, I'm, I'm doing my best to avoid that for you. But I hope you guys are doing well. Hope everything in your life's gone really well. I went down to Melbourne last night and, and, and got back into some got back into some stand-up comedy. It's a, it's a weird scene sometimes. I know I've told you about this before, but... It's a very it's a very competitive scene. There's a lot of people out there, and at the moment during the comedy festival, there's only a few spaces available because, well, it's just it's it's the hottest time for comedy right now. So everyone who's interested in the stand up comedy scene in in you know Victoria in Melbourne, they're out they're out performing. And so last night there was a gig that started at seven seven thirty at Red Betty in Coburg. and uh, I messaged the I messaged the bloke who who runs it. Great guy he is, and I said, mate. I'm not going to be able to get there. You need to be there by 5 p.m. to confirm that you're going to get a spot, which means where I live now, I have to leave at 3 p.m., which means that half my workday is gone. Excuse me. And I messaged him. I said, mate, look, I've got a meeting. I was meeting up with a bloke at a cafe at 3. I said, I'm not going to be able to get there. I'm not going to be able to get there till 6.30. Can you save me a spot? And he's like, man, sorry to be a hard ass, but no can do. And it's fair. I get where he was coming from as well because, I mean, I do, I do and I don't because I... I, I there was a big part of me that thought, okay, I'm breaking through the ranks right here. Surely you want Tyson Popplestone on the open mic scene. And, and it just, you know, the, the sway that I thought I had to get a spot wasn't quite as powerful as what I had imagined it would be. So I had to get there at 5 p.m. There was one other guy there about five minutes after me. And then we, we just have to talk for two hours. We got to talk for two hours about what we're going to do. He got to tell me about what jokes of mine aren't funny, are funny, could be funny. We compare stories and stuff like that. But it's all this for a five-minute set. And then you get up on stage and you think, well, this better be the set of my life because 
you know, it's been a four-hour build-up to that. It's actually four and a half, five by the time I got on stage because they have the they have the booked acts and then they have the open mic bracket, which I was in last night. And uh, so it, would have, it was a five-hour build-up to a five-minute set. And there's a couple of jokes in there that didn't get the laugh I wanted. And it's always the longest, loneliest drive home when you've when you've worked for five hours to get this spot. You've waited, you've committed, you've done everything you could, and you realize, all right, it probably wasn't the best set. Because you always get about halfway there and you're like, gee, I hope this is worth it. It's a long drive with current petrol prices for for the response. That Actually, last night, in fairness, had a pretty good set. There's a few people in the room. There's a couple of things that didn't get as much of a laugh as, as what I wanted. But that's usually the case. It's very rare. Actually, I don't think I've ever... I don't know what the actual ultimate outcome would be. Because, I mean, you need silence at some point to, to build up to the laughter, don't you? It can't just be laughs the whole time. I'm pretty sure. I feel like that would be a weird thing. I used to go to a church and, and some people would, uh, I don't know what it was. It was a Pentecostal church. And, and so I think I think it was Pentecostal church combined with a couple of crazies. You know when you get 100 people in a room and there's naturally going to be a couple of crazies in there. Well, a couple of these guys, they would just piss themselves laughing at nothing. And apparently in their mind it was a sign that, that God had, had touched them, which was, I mean, which is fine. And maybe is even true, but I'm just saying that from my perspective as a, a bloke who's new to the church scene at the time, it didn't really attract me to it. I looked at that and I was like, this is very strange. Just a bloke pissing himself laughing, running laps of the uh, the church, and, and we're all supposed to sit back and say that's normal. But it's funny what exposure to a particular scene does. Like you spend a couple of weeks there and I saw Peter just running around laughing. I thought, there's Peter. Touched by the Holy Spirit again, we got him. <laughs> he got him good. <laughs> So, anyway, it is weird how, how familiarity breeds contempt. Is it contempt? Familiarity breeds contempt. I actually don't know what contempt what contempt means. Let me just, I'm going to double check. Because that, that expression never really makes sense to me. Hey Siri, define contempt. Contempt means... The feeling that a person or a thing is worthless or beneath consideration. Okay, it's not that one. And then the second definition says disregard for something that should be considered. Maybe that's what it is. Like that should be considered, isn't it? If you see a bloke running around um, shouting Jesus' name laughing, that that's no matter where you go, that shouldn't be normal, I don't think. That's not a place that I necessarily want to be a part of, but that's what it was. That's what it was. I can't bag that church, so it's where I met my lady. It's where I met my lady. And the pastor of that place, he was a gun. He was a good dude. It was just it was just the bloke who I remember one day I went into um I went into McDonald's and it was behind this same guy. Uh, he went up to the counter and I remember I remember standing there and and hearing this guy, there was like a 15-year-old girl at the counter, and she goes, Oh, can I take your order? He goes, Here's my order. Do you know Jesus? And I go, Well, that's not uh, your order. That's a question. You know, an order's a statement, doesn't end in a question mark. And the girl was like, pardon? And I was sitting there going, oh, no. And then this guy turns around, he's like, Tashi, I don't think this girl knows Jesus. I was like, I don't, want, I don't want to have anything to do with it. Please don't make this have anything to do with me. I just, You know when you get roped into those awkward conversations? It's just uncomfortable. Well, don't bring me into your awkward conversation. I don't want to be a part of it. But it was that kind of it was that kind of person. It was like a, someone who was very forward. It was like the person with the three, the three syringe emojis on their their Twitter handle at the moment in the COVID world. That's what it's the equivalent of. It's like, all right, this is my belief, and I'm just going to spew it all over you. It's like, okay, you can, but just don't be surprised if no one wants to talk to you anymore.
Yeah, speaking of being roped into awkward conversations, one of the guys was telling me last night that, so there was a there's a particular gig in Melbourne. I won't say names, I won't say the names of the venue or whatever because I don't want the bloke who hears it to be embarrassed, but apparently a bloke got banned from a comedy room because uh, because he's a bit smelly, a little bit smelly. Maybe he hadn't had a shower or whatever. I don't know. I guess that's how you get smelly. Don't brush your teeth, don't have a shower. Maybe he accidentally, sometimes I'll get halfway to Melbourne in a shirt and I'm like, oh, no. Like, I, I thought this was clear. I just had a shower. I've got deodorant on for, but for whatever reason. Actually, that shirt, because it happened last night. I'm like, this shirt's got to go in the bin. Uh, yeah, but I got a little can of Lynx Africa in the glove box just to, just to you know, just to conceal the evidence for a little bit. Um, and, and hopefully it just tricks a couple of people for a couple of minutes. So if you ever if you ever uh, meet me, if you ever see me and I smell like Lynx Africa, just know I'm self-conscious about that shirt. All right, probably should be in the bin. Probably, um, or I wore it last night and didn't have time to, to get a fresh one. Whatever, I'm not sure. Lynx Africa is a sign that I'm self-conscious. So if you wanted to give me a hard time, that'd be the time to do it. But um, yeah, this guy uh, apparently got banned from a venue because he smells too bad. And, and the owner of the venue actually went up to him and was like, dude, you can't come here anymore because you stink. And then the guy who just said that, he turned to the bloke next to the smelly guy and goes, Does, doesn't he? <laughs> like, what a, that is the most uncomfortable situation to find yourself in because even if the guy smelt if i was the guy next to him because the guy the guy asking the question is the guy who runs the room so you want to be on his good side but then the guy standing next to you he's your mate so you want to be on his good side so so you're caught between a rock and a hard place so I don't know. It's weird to me, I think. Well, I think it's weird that people don't realize that they smell so bad. Obviously, some people probably just have stinky sweat, but but surely like a solid shower, like a fresh change of clothes, brush your teeth, a little bit of cologne, surely you're pretty set like that, aren't you? I don't fully understand it though, but yeah, I just thought that was an awkward little predicament to find himself in. You gotta you gotta make sure the scent is right before you go out in public. You gotta make sure the scent is right. I'm a sweaty dude too, so I gotta be careful. Black is my best color, cause for whatever reason, I don't I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a guy thing, but I'll wake up some mornings, even when I'm not like. Today is a classic example, and my side of the bed is just saturated. It was it was a cold night last night. My wife rolls over to give me a hug. She goes, "You're disgusting." Like that's not a very nice way to start my day. She goes, "But yeah, the truth hurts, man. Like sort yourself out." I go, "This I'm pretty sure this is like a." What's it called? It's the equivalent of a heart rate. I don't have conscious control over it. It's just doing it by itself. I sleep in my jocks. It's not like I'm overheating. It's just like my the regulator of my temperature during the night. Just it, I know. I think maybe it goes to sleep because I'll wake up in just a puddle. So my bed sheets are getting washed every night. But even me, even me, like usually I can keep keep that contained. Unless I'm on an airplane for 24 hours, then I get off and I go, oh, that probably shouldn't have happened. I probably, but even then, pack a spare shirt. Can always pack a spare shirt. Anyway, don't say we don't bring the big stories to you here on Pop Culture Podcast. I don't know why I keep saying we as well, because the tr- it's me in, in the spare room of my house. I like to call it a studio to make it sound fancier, but it's a spare room. My wife's just there right now having it. She's she's having a snooze. Maybe if she starts snoring, you'll be able to hear it. But that's uh, that's just the world we're living in at the moment. I'm I'm in the back room of my house trying to make funny podcasts, bringing you the bringing you the best news. the 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 good news story in the Popplestone household right now is that I um so last Friday I went down to Gippsland, caught up with my family, and I hadn't seen my uncle Mark for it must be at least six months. My favourite uncle, he's uh, he's the man, he's the man, and 
I got there and, and I was so excited to see him. He goes, you got skinny. You skinny bitch, he said. You are, you are skinny bitch. That's what he said. He goes, you look like a little bitch. He's like, you got, look at your little bitch tits. He's like, I could smash you in a fight. Yeah, I'll shove this bottle in your ass. I said, what? I haven't even said hello yet. Why are you saying you can shove that? And before you know it, he's trying to shove it. He's trying to shove it. He goes, oh, we're in prison. We're naughty. Oh, we're under arrest. Let's do it. I go, you're my uncle, man. Can't do it in front of the rest of the family. Let's go to the spare room. <laughs> That's not even funny. But, but he said to me, he goes, you're skinny. What happened? He goes, I thought you're always talking about how you're going to get bulky. I said, I'm skinny, am I? Said, you're disgusting. You're yuck. I said, well, I'm, and as soon as he said it, I thought, I'm joining the gym again. I'm going back because I, I haven't been in the gym since COVID because my my gym guy wouldn't um, let me in unless I showed him the vaccine certificate. And uh, so I went up to a different gym yesterday. I rejoined. He didn't ask any questions about vaccines and he just he just welcomed me in. And so the last four days in a row, I've hit my calories every day. I'm back in the gym. My biceps are no kidding. Do you know how I reckon there's there's like that DOMS, the delayed onset muscle soreness, it kicks in worst than ever when you're when you're in a gym, I reckon. Especially when you haven't lifted super heavy weights like like I haven't for the last six months. I went in there today, oh my gosh, I was looking at the shower yesterday, my my chest already feels like it could fit into a D cup. Is it a D? Like is double D's is that a D cup? I'm not sure. I was trying to I was trying to refer to a big one, but man, I'm I'm sore today. The gym, it's funny when you've been out of the gym for a while as well, because you, you don't realise how uncomfortable that particular setting is. I've been working out at outdoor parks over the last six months, and it's usually just me there. Or maybe like it's the odd stray who'll come past and start doing some dips, but they're only there for five minutes. Usually it's a playground for kids. It's not a playground for kids. That is next to it, but the kids come and treat it like it's a playground. I just want to paint a picture of me hanging around the playground just doing chin-ups trying to impress any of the young girls. Do you know what I mean? Because that's not, it's not how I... It's just not my style necessarily. Or not even necessarily, just at all. It's not my style. But then I went back into the gym and I got started and... It's, it's a weird kind of place because everyone... You're in there. Most people are training by themselves and it's it's... Because you're in the same, you know when you bump into someone in a shopping aisle and you haven't, you know, you'll see someone that you semi-know and you'll say hello and oh, I'll catch you later and then you see them again in the next aisle, it's sort of awkward, you don't know what to say, you can't make eye contact. Usually there's just a small talk comment, like you'll just chuck something out there, um, you'll both have a little giggle and then the more aisles that you bump, oh, you, you know, you'll bump into them again on aisle six, you go, oh, hello again, oh, long time no see. <laughs> and then uh, you see him on aisle seven, you go, oh, I thought I'd never see you again. <laughs> aisle eight, it's like, oh, this is so embarrassing. And then one of you skips to aisle nine, not realizing the other person had the same tactic. You're like, oh, do you need tampons too? Or whatever it is that you're looking for. Uh, it's that vibe in a gym. Because you, I'm a bit of a, I'm, I'm the annoying person to have in a gym because I'll, I'll sort of try and have a little bit of a chat. I'll say g'day. I know most people are in there just doing their own thing. Most people just want to get in, get it done and leave. And I get that because if you start making friends with 15 different people, or, or not necessarily friends, but if you start bumping into 15 different people while you're there, then all of a sudden like a 45 minute workout, an hour workout, with a few conversation chucked in, it turns into an hour 45 and you're still in your first exercise. And so you've got to be a little bit careful of that. But but I find, I think I'd much rather the extra time in the gym rather than just the awkward non-eye contact. Because I'll often, I'll see someone, I'll be on a particular exercise, I go, hey, how you going? And then I'll see them again at a different exercise and it's like, oh, well, I've already said, hey, how you going? I don't know this person well enough to ask about their family. 
It's uncovered. So everyone just sort of walks around with their eyes on the ground. And then you've just got you've got a few obnoxious people in the gym who are happy to let the grunts out. I'm all happy, I'm all happy with grunts as long as the weight that you're lifting justifies it. And as long as it's not too busy. I was at this particular gym a while ago and there was a guy deadlifting 70 kilos, which is fine. Like it's what I'm not huge at the moment, obviously, and that's what I lift. But this guy was massive. Like he looked as though he should be deadlifting 250. And he was standing there in front of the bar with, uh, what did it have? I don't know, like it equaled 70 kilos. I remember taking a mental note going, this guy's actually a bitch for his size. And he's walking around going, oh, yeah, oh. <laughs> you know, banging his chest, like smacking his legs. I go, mate, like a chick, a, a chick just did that before you. What are you, what are you doing? I like, embarrassing. Then you lift it, he gets halfway through a rep. I go, like, what are you slapping yourself for? The most humbling thing that ever happened to me was I went to do I went to do deadlifts after a girl. This is this is about twelve months ago now, and uh, I went to go do the deadlifts, and she just finished she just finished with her weights, and uh, I said I oh, oh, don't put them away because because I'll use it now. And then she's like, oh, did you want me to take any weights off? I go, I go, what are you talking about? Why, why would you ask me that question? What what is it about my build that makes you think like you're not a huge woman? What is it about your build that makes you think that you could outlift me? And then I saw the weight that she had on the bar. And I already said to her, no, don't worry about, don't worry about taking that off. I'll be fine. I don't need you to take no weights off, nothing. And then she's like, okay. And so she went on to her next exercise. And, and then I just kept looking around going, I hope this, I hope this chick's not watching because I'm about to take so many weights off this bar because she's the strongest chick I've ever met in my whole life. This is one of the most, this is one of the most powerful women that I've ever met. And, uh, and she caught me. I remember. I remember making eye contact with her, and she had a little chuckle. And I was like, "Like, don't you shouldn't laugh at other people's weakness. What a who do you think you are? Do you know what I mean? Different horses, different courses. What they say. The same uncle told me I look like a skinny bitch. We used to go to the gym together, and we had so much fun because we'd just do. We'd it just turned into laughing because we'd go in and I'll try and help him bench press. I said, "Okay, I'll just put some little weights on the side for you," and then he would go and do it, and it would get stuck on his neck. I wouldn't help spot him. Wait till his face went purple, and then I would spot him. You know, just to show him that I'm the, just to show him that I'm the man. With me, I'd go in and I'd do my bench press. He'd start tickling me under my arms. The the gym owner comes up, going, "Guys, look, I really." He's four. He's fifty as well. Just so you know, which is which is an irresponsible way to act when you're fifty, but still very very funny. So, like, if if you ever see someone doing chin ups and don't have a, a at least a little inclination to want to tickle them, I think you're the problem in in that particular scenario because. I just think when you see a person in a vulnerable situation, there's an opportunity for you to attack. You should you should take that opportunity because you never know what's going to happen again. It might not happen again. That's why whenever I see my wife doing a squat, at the bottom of the squat, I make sure my index finger is ready to poke into a, in, like quite deep into ass. As long as she's got shorts on. If you didn't have shorts on, you know, that'd just be painful and, and quite intrusive, really. It's intrusive enough as it is. But I think every now and then you've just got there's something there's something within a person that just wants to you want to laugh at people when they're hurt. I think it's just built into you. I don't know if it's learned. I don't think no. This is a true story. A couple of not that everything I tell you is not true. I'm not saying that everything else before this. I don't know why I had to offer that that this part's true because it it throws a question mark up at every everything else that I've said, doesn't it? But there's something innate in us that just wants to maybe take advantage of people or show that we're the boss or show that that person's weak or we just recognize, like when we see a person fall down the stairs, like my, my very first reaction is not, are you okay? My very first reaction is trying not to laugh and usually failing. 
And the other day, my wife, we've got a like an Ethernet cable that runs out from our modem into into our PC here, and it, it's always getting in our way. And the other day, Jesse came out of the kitchen and she tripped on it, and I've never heard my little man laugh so. He pissed him. He's a year and a half old. And he pissed himself laughing. He pointed at her like she was a you know when you're in grade two and someone falls over and you point and laugh. It was it was the stereotype of what a bully kid would do. I was very proud to see it. Because that's the kind of kid that I'd like to raise. I'd much rather raise a bully than a than a bullied. And so the fact that he's got the confidence to tease his 31-year-old mother about her misstep, which is very bold on his behalf based on how many times I've seen him fall over in the last couple of months. Like for a guy, honestly, in fairness, for the amount of times I've seen that kid trip over, he should not be pointing the finger and laughing at his mum. She, she hasn't tripped over, I would say... Well, we've been together 11 years. I reckon once a year she's probably tripped on something, basically. You know, she's relatively coordinated, but every now and then you might be a bit tired and, and not know that there's a little kid's bike in the hallway in the middle of the night. So she would trip on that. He trips over daily. I'm going to have to remind him of that next time that next time he feels the need to tease his mum about tripping over, I'm just going to remind him, like, hey, mate, you can't even walk properly yet. Like one push, I can I can topple you over just with the push of my index finger, not even kidding. I could poke you in the forehead and you'd fall off your bike without any ability to be able to protect yourself. See who's laughing then. Laugh at your mother. <laughs> anyway, it's easier to see the mistakes that another person makes than your own mistakes, though, isn't it? Especially when you don't have... Like, I'm pretty sure that frontal lobe's not developed in his head yet. I don't think it's developed completely till he's 25, so I shouldn't be too hard on him because he's still got 23 and a half years until that's developed. But, uh, you know, it, it, it is nice just to... It's a a double-edged sword. I like the fact he had the confidence to tease his mum, but I'm not 100% sure how I feel about the fact he wasn't aware of, uh, you know, the the fact that he makes makes that same, he makes that same mistake. Anyway, one of the good things about going down to, uh, going down, sorry, this is a massive tangent, but I just, uh, uh, it's not really a segue. There was no segue in this story. I just wanted to tell you this. I went down to Footscray the other day. Uh, I was going to say one of the big advantages of doing stand-up comedy a couple of nights a week is that, uh, you know, it gets you it gets you into the city. You can go out. You can eat at some cool places. I love I love Vietnamese. I went out at Footscray the other night. I'm no kidding. Footscray's Footscray's the best town. It's the best suburb in Melbourne. I'm not kidding. It's if you want if you want a rich experience of different cultures, like you can have. I, I walk down one particular part of the street. It's separated by you go Vietnamese and then it goes African and then there's like Middle Eastern. It's a it's a weird kind of a it's a weird kind of a setup. So. I went out there the other night. I'm not kidding. It's not an overly popular street. It's the most popular one in Footscray, but you only need one of each culture's cuisines. And and there was about I'm not kidding. There's eight different there's eight different Vietnamese restaurants all within 50 meters of each other, all serving the same thing. And Vietnamese is my favorite thing because I, I I love fur. I went to Vietnam a couple of years ago with my mum for 10 days, and I love the Vietnamese people. There's something about Vietnamese people. I think they're my favorite. I actually think they're my favorite people in the world. They're my favorite people because they're so, uh, they're really open. I remember I was in Vietnam a few years ago and, and when I was there, I went to a restaurant with my mum. We we're having a chat to the, the chick who, who owned it. She must have been, she would have been a couple of years younger than me. Anyway, she's like, oh, you're going to come back to my restaurant. And she was being, she was married, but she was being a massive flirt with me despite knowing I was married and despite the fact I was with my mum. And every part of me loved it because I get an ego that is tickled whenever I feel as though someone might be flirting. So when it's blatant, um, you know, I've just got to lap it up. So I went back to that restaurant as much as I could just to have my just to have my ego built up. And um, anyway, like I'm, uh, I'm I'm a good man. Do you know what I mean? Like I'd never I'd never take that further than it would be. 
then it should then it should go do you know but uh but she said hey like can i can i get your facebook details and we'll talk and i said of course like 100 percent, of course like let's we'll keep in touch we're now friends do you know anyone who flirts with me this uh this obviously is welcome to have my my Facebook details because a couple of compliments might come through to Facebook that I can start my day with. And anyway, by the end of the trip, this is what I love about Vietnamese people. She was like, I'm coming to say goodbye to you at the airport. I said, hang on a second. This got quite forward. And I remember it was weird because we got to the airport. I was about to go and she was crying. It was emotional. I was like, oh my gosh, wait, what happened? I've only had dinner at your restaurant three times. I don't even really know your name just yet. You're at security crying. And... Uh, it was just a, it was a really strange thing because one of the Vietnamese guys came up to me. He's like, "Excuse me, your girlfriend?" That's not Vietnamese. That's like a, a French guy who's lived in India for ten years. Excuse me, your 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 girlfriend wants to say goodbye. I said, "Mate, my, my wife is in Melbourne." He's like, "No, but your girlfriend." I go, "Wait, no, no, no." <laughs> Let me just clarify. It's not. It's just a like this is just a this is a restaurant owner, and um. Anyway, it was just a, it was a very strange experience. But but what I like about the Vietnamese people, it doesn't matter whether they're twenty or whether they're sixty. They've got this flirtatious nature, which I love. That the older women, they're very um, they're very hey, come here, marry my daughter. I go, oh, I've can't, I'm married. They go, it doesn't matter in this culture. You can have a number of them. I go, honestly, I've like this isn't. Uh, it's a cultural thing. It's not. It's not your daughter. Do you know? It would help if she had both eyes and, you know, she had didn't have a scar down her cheek. Yeah, no, but her personality is so fantastic. I've gone Hungarian. I'm not sure. I'm not 100% sure why I went Hungarian there. But, but Vietnamese people, I love, they give you a little, uh, actually, I, I bow to them. I'm not sure. Is that just Japanese? I always walk in, I give a little bow, like a little respect, like a, how you going? And they're very blatant about being flirtatious, I think. That's one thing that I, I always find it fun. I like just watching watching flirting take place is, is something that I'm very intrigued in. So uh, I think I've told you this before, but I went to get a massage again in Vietnam with my mum, not in the same room, not in the same table. That sound, I just need to give context to that. But she was next door and I remember sitting on the, um, so this Vietnamese girl came up who was doing my massage. She goes, take off your clothes. And uh, I was like, all of this? Yeah, you keep your jocks on if you like. I said, like, oh, I very much will. So I kept my jocks on. Anyway, she was she was playing on her phone and it looked as though she was lining up the camera to, to point to me. And, and all of a sudden the flash went off and I go, did you just take a photo? She goes, yeah, yeah, but it's for my friends. Okay, get on the bed. I go, why? She goes, oh, you're so handsome. I go, oh my gosh, wow, thank you for the forward nature. And uh, you've got to be careful. In, like I had I, always heard that you had to be careful of Vietnamese massages, but as soon as this one got started, I was like, oh, gee, I kept having to flash the wedding ring because, because the, thumbs were, the thumbs were brushing quite high up on the thigh. Like giving giving the old boy a little bit of a grace, so you have to be careful. I say, hey, just not so high. She goes, oh, whoopsie, and then again she'd do it again. Oh, sorry, didn't mean it. I go again, and before you know, like the massage went for half an hour, and she kept apologising every time her hand went up there, but then didn't didn't make a change to the situation. It just kept occurring, and so I thought, how many times, how many times do I have to explain to her that this isn't something that I'm interested in? I know there's a twenty dollar bonus in this for you if uh, you take this to where it is that you're hoping it will go, but. I'm a, I'm a married man and I, I can't be having you give me hand jobs when I'm on a holiday with my mum next door in Vietnam while I'm married. <laughs> you know, it, just, it just chucks a spanner in the work. So that's an, that's, a, that's an awkward question. It's an awkward conversation to, to have to have with your wife when you get home. How was Vietnam? Yeah, good. What would you do? Oh, got a massage. How did that end up? You don't. I can't tell you about it because otherwise we're going to be on the rocks. <laughs> how did it, ask me about how the middle of it was. No, it didn't. It didn't end up like that. It ended up just uh, with me saying, "No, no, look, I'm married." Uh, my mum next door going, "Oh, she's massaging my boobs." I got mum. This is just information I didn't want to know.
Like keep that information to yourself. We're only separated by a sheet. I'm getting my ball grazed, you're getting your boobs rubbed. This is just a very uncomfortable situation for everyone. Then we have to walk home and not make eye contact with each other because we've just both been violated. <laughs> but when you're only paying four bucks AUD, it's, uh, it's hard to argue with, isn't it? For an hour's work. Anyway, I, um, I went down, when I was down in Gippsland the other day, I had to look after my little man because Jesse, she went to the Crowded House concert and I said, oh, well, you go to the Crowded House concert and I'll, I'll look after the little man because I'm the ultimate husband. And so I went down to Gippsland. I had him for 36 hours, which was the longest I'd had him by myself. And after a while, I was like, I just need a break. So I've realized the best babysitter in a lot of cases is just walking down to the local shopping center and letting him just wander through a supermarket, letting him wander through. Uh, we went through Kmart and uh, it was good. I take him to the toy section. He looks at the trucks and stuff. But as a dad, it's hard to know what to do in certain situations because I've noticed that he doesn't necessarily, he's definitely got a bias towards um, towards trucks and cars and stuff. But he's also interested to walk past the Barbie section where all the pink stuff is and have a look at that as well. And as a man, I'm not 100% sure what, what my role should be. I think sometimes I need to put my foot down and go, hey, put the Barbie down. You look... You know, you look, you're a year and a half old, but I can't have you putting the Popplestones reputation at risk here. Do you know, I don't, I, what if one day you ask me for that? And then my wife always in those situations, if she's there, she goes, I've seen photos of you dressed in your nan's dress with oranges down your shirt as boobs when you're six. Like you turned out not normal, but okay. So that's that's comforting to remember because it's a, I used to hear dads talk about this and I was like, dude, you're a hard ass. Like just relax. He's 18 months old. Then my kid picked up a Barbie and, and my, my little sphincter tightened. I go, hang on a second. Is he, is this, a, is this a gay sign? Which, if it is, I don't mind, but just as a dad, I feel like I have the right to know. I want to be on the ball with that kind of stuff. I at least want to be aware of the fact that, you know, that's that's where he's gone. But his fascination with trucks and motorbikes and stuff, I think that I think that evens him up a little bit. So we're going well, but that kills about an hour of time just there. And, um, yeah. what I've, I've written something here that I, losing... I'm not a hundred percent sure what I've. Oh, I'm not. I'm not sure. Like this is this is how professional this podcast is. I've written a note of something that's really important to me to talk to you about. I wanted to talk to you about how I want to get my ears pierced, but I feel as though the more I've thought about that particular story, because I've still got an earring hole in this one. I saw a bloke the other day. He's got the double ear pierced, and he had the confidence to rock it. I thought, man, I want to get the double ears pierced. And I brought it up to Jesse because I want to get my hair bleached as well, like the top bleached and double ear pierced. He goes, "What's going on?" Why do you have to be this way? Like, just, just been, like, just, like, why do you even have a backwards hat on, is my question. I said, honestly, these are very forward questions, and uh, they're, they're hard for me to answer, to be honest, because I don't know the answers. Maybe I'm going through something. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm dealing with something. Maybe, maybe the years peers are a, an attempt to me to cover up a, a deep down insecurity that I have. She goes, I don't know, but something's off with you. I said, are you happy with this marriage? She goes, sometimes. I go, well, sweetie, like, what could I improve? And she just said, everything. Everything. You've got to be careful, though. I'm in the bad books because she said to me the other day, oh, I'm getting big again as a pregnant woman. She goes, do you still find me pretty when I'm pregnant? I go, well, babe, well, compared to what? <laughs> Don't say it. There's no need to ask that question. Just the answer is yes. Always yes. And that's why you come here for the Pop Culture Podcast. For Insight Weekly on how to treat your woman. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for being here. I hope you have a good rest of your week and I'll see you all here in uh, in a couple of days time next Monday. All right, until then, see you later. Mm-hmm.